stop thinking, let things happen, and be the ball. that can sing, play the guitar, put together the best video you've ever seen, go bowling and bowl with both hands, and play a mean round of golf. You can probably do it all at the same time, by the way. His name is Scott McKenna. He's joining us from Pennsylvania. Hey, Scott, how are you? Well, that was that was quite the intro. <laughs> I, Welcome. I, I, Are, hey, are all those people to... wearing masks? I just want to. I just want to make sure. Yeah. We are in Texas. Um, they are all okay. they are safely socially distanced apart. But uh, no, most of them right, are not okay. wearing a mask because we're in Texas. Most okay. of them are not wearing masks, but they are holding assault rifles even as we speak. But listen, in the in the setup, we talked about this when I met you. It's like, okay, I know he sings, I know he can play the guitar, and then I just kept out discovering more things about you. Then you said you play golf. Well, we're out at an event in New Mexico. You decide to jump into the golf tournament that goes on at all these big banking conferences, and I think you might have won that. I forgot how that turned out, but you did really well out in Albuquerque, right? I don't remember exactly what the result was, but I remember being excited about the fact that the air was so much thinner and I cranked the ball like my furthest <laughs> drive in history at that on that event. I remember that. I still have, I still actually have a picture of the of the golf cart uh, range thing that tells you the the distance. I still have that. Well, picture. <laughs> uh, I, that was actually on Columbus Day, by the way, when we did that event in Albuquerque. I think that was in 2009 or 2010, uh, out at the. Yeah. I forget. I think it was the Sandia Resort. It was a big casino, beautiful place. Well, let's ask you the you know, questions we ask everybody on the show. First of all, when did you start playing? I started. Pl- well, I kind of started playing. I think fairly young, like when I was maybe 10 or 11. My dad and I used to. He's taking the driving range, and then we'd eventually start to go out and play a little bit more. And, and But it was more like, you know, a couple times a year type of thing and occasional driving range stuff. And honestly, I feel like I really didn't start actually playing until two, right around, obviously, when we connected because what actually got me into golf, like, seriously at the time was when I met my now wife, Kelsey, who obviously we were introduced together through through you and her dad <laughs> – is an incredible golfer, and so after I met her and we kind of went out and I went golfing, I, for some reason, just got a crazy itch to play, and it just so happened that on that same trip, I had my first hole-in-one ever, so it kind of I gave me the indication that this was probably something <laughs> that would yes. have to be. Yes, let's go back to that. I was going to ask you about that. We always ask people, we've asked everybody on the show, hey, have you ever hit a hole-in-one. If you've listened to this show, you know that I've never hit one. Uh, the closest I ever came was on a 217-yard par three at almost park here in San Antonio. I hit a worm burner that hit the pin and bounced off. That's the closest I've ever come to hitting a hole-in-one. Let's go back to that. That was in May of 2008. We're out in southwest Oregon. I think it was at Bandon Dunes we were playing at. No, it was you were um, playing at no the uh, it was no it was the course uh, right by. Uh, Windchuck, it's right at the main course, uh, Salmon Run. Salmon Run, Salmon right, Run in, that's right. right in Brookings. That was, yep. uh, 
that, so you're, you're, you're using somebody else's clubs, you know, all, you got all the excuses not to have a good round, and, and you go out there and you hole out. Tell us about the shot and the hole. So the hole, I have a picture of that, too. I can send you all this stuff. But I, the, the hole is basically like a, a par three downhill kind of through the midst of a bunch of trees, just a beautiful, like, typical Oregon hole. And I'm playing with clubs I've never played with, so I kind of was just guessing basically what I'd be hitting, like, distance-wise. And so I just I picked up a nine iron, and I hit it I hit it just to the right, and it just bounced off the fringe and just got a nice kick toward the pin. And it was so quiet out there that – it literally felt like everything just got dead silent and you just, I literally felt like I heard it rolling and then it just hit the pin and went in and then, and then you heard a lot of noise because I was screaming. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Now, it was a lot of fun. No, I've gotten close a couple of times, but no, I haven't, I haven't not had another one. Of course, uh, we just like musicians love to talk about their instruments that they play with. What kind of clubs do you hit with? I use all ping. Right now, that's what I've been using for the last probably five years or so. My brother-in-law is one of their main engineers, so he actually makes the clubs that I play, so it's kind of a cool feeling. And So he would he would disown me if I used anything else, but I really love what I play anyway, so I, I don't need to change. Well, no, no one's going to no one's gonna fault you for playing uh, ping clubs, beautiful, beautiful clubs. I use TaylorMade. Uh, that's always been – that's what I started with. It's just one of those weird things. And it gets me to another question I wanted to ask you. You know, I talk about, you know, you go out and you use somebody else's clubs. You're in a whole different part of the world when you got that hole-in-one. Um, as I've said on previous podcasts, on the Be The Ball podcast, I've said that my superstition, if you will, I cannot – Play with anything in my pockets. I can have a tee in there, maybe a spare golf ball. My scorecard has to be in my back pocket. I cannot have anything in my hip pockets when I play golf. Do you have any weird superstitions like that? No. I mean, I'm one of those people that I, I tend to think that nothing really bothers me. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't keep anything. I mean, I do, I, keep, I do keep my phone in my back pocket the entire time, but that's only because I use it for, like, my GPS and stuff, and so it's just more convenient to have it there. But, like, I definitely don't have anything in my pockets. But I, I don't have anything in my pockets ever. Like, literally, when I sit down anywhere, right. I take everything out of my pockets because I just don't like, I don't like anything in my pocket. So I guess I'm yeah. not superstitious, but more that, yeah, it definitely drives me crazy. We talked in the setup about the best tip I ever got that I don't always follow, and that is don't hit two bad shots in a row. Do you, can you think back on a tip? I think you're pretty much self-taught when it comes to golf, but was there ever a tip you got from somebody that you, that you use on the course that you think has maybe shaved some strokes off your final score? Honestly, the most basic tip I think that everyone could literally use to just play better golf is just keep your head down. So wow. literally the only swing thought I ever have in my head, it, no matter how bad or how good I'm playing, is just keep your head down. Because even if you look at even a terrible golfer, the most common mistake a terrible golfer makes is they top the ball constantly. But the only reason they top right. the ball constantly is because they're so concerned about where it's going to go that they pick their head up and then they miss the ball. So even when you're playing, even if you don't have a great swing, when you set your club up behind the ball, and you don't move up or down from the time that you swing and hit again, which only happens when you pick your head up and, you know, you change your whole body, you, it, you still can make contact with the ball. So whenever I'm playing, whenever I'm not playing well, or even if I am playing well, or if I just have a, a big pressure shot that I need to hit, 
it's so easy to have a million swing thoughts of like, do this and keep this straight and keep this and watch your alignment. And, and I just realized like, all I really tell myself is even to this day is like, just keep your head down and you'll hit the ball straight. And I don't know how to hit the ball straight, but it's the most easy thought that I have rather than, you know, watch your tempo and make sure that you don't bend your yeah. elbow and make sure that you, it's just, <laughs> there's too many thoughts that everyone goes to. And I think that the most, the easiest tip is just, just keep your head down. And I always tell people, like, I'll watch where the ball goes. You keep your head down. <laughs> I, always, I always say, because I went from being a professional conference speaker to someone that hosts these podcasts, I've said the biggest change is that you can't see the audience. But as I'm listening to you say all these things, I can actually see everybody listening to this podcast shaking their head. That is so true. I was sitting there shaking my head because the gentleman that works with me, uh, Dr. John Reiner, will always tell me, Jason, you're, you're ball-bound. You're being too ball-bound. You're trying to see where the shot goes. You can't control it once you've swung at it, and it's, you're absolutely right. That is one of the toughest, toughest things to do. You're, you're a very meticulous guy. Uh, I think maybe that's why golf is something that you found attractive as a sport. The thing that fascinates me about golf is that you can go watch every YouTube video that's ever been made about golf. You can watch every video. You can read every book. But if you go out on the course and try to get a ball off the tee with a club, I guarantee you you're not going to hit that golf ball. You know, you can learn to, you can take someone out to a basketball court and by luck they're going to get that ball in the hoop. They can heave a football 13 or 14 yards. They can throw a baseball in the direction of home plate. Golf is an entirely different game that I think just takes place. You just talk about all those mechanics, but it's such a game that takes place between the ears. It's so much upstairs. Was that part of the facet or the aspect of the game that appealed to you? That it was so challenging. Yeah, I mean, no question. The, the, yeah, it, it is the. I think it's the hardest game in the world. I think that it's. And when you watch, you know, you watch any other sport, right? You watch LeBron James in basketball. You watch Tom Brady in football. You watch the best of the best, and they're nearly always outstanding. They have some bad games or whatever, but like they are just great at what they do all the time. You watch golf, and it's the only sport that you can see a pro just completely suck at what they do <laughs> because of just how hard the course. I mean, you think about it. You're yeah. swinging hundreds of miles an hour to try to hit an exact spot of a club on this tiny little ball and get it to go in this little hole that's 400 yards away. And yeah. it is just such a hard sport to be really, really good at and most importantly consistently that that's why when you look at what Tiger did over the course of his career up until obviously now he's having more struggles, but the fact that he was as good consistently as he was is just mind-boggling but no question that's the aspect i love about the game it's a game that you can never master and it's also the few sports in the world that you can play forever you can play it until you're 80 or 90 years old and hit 150 down the fairway and still shoot bogey golf (laughs) it's just that it's also the only sport like you mentioned in the intro it's like the only sport that you actually can go out by yourself and actually play which is which is also, I, I recently picked up disc golf, and it's the same reason I love that sport. You can actually play it by yourself and have fun and not have to, you know, it's pretty hard to compete versus yourself in basketball. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, I, I when, during the pandemic, I had two sports that I was trying to get back into. Uh, in high school, I was a very, very good ranked tennis player. Unfortunately, tennis requires another person. And can uh-huh. at 
you know, I'm 52 years old. Most of my 50-year-old friends couldn't make it from the baseline to the net to shake my hand after I wiped the court with them after the match. So <laughs> you're absolutely right. I was at the Bandit at the 19th hole with my friend there, and these four guys got up, and they walked by, and they said, well, four medical miracles finished another 18 holes today. They were all very, very advanced in age, and you're absolutely right about the longevity of the sport. We had Mike Matone on the show last time, and he was talking about how, you know, he played college football, but you can't play football when you're in your 60s and 70s, and you certainly can't get yeah. 22 guys together to play on a Sunday afternoon. You mentioned something, though, about playing alone, and this is a question that I always ask our guests. What is the best shot? that you ever hit that nobody saw? I'm trying to think. I've been fortunate enough that most of the, the shots that were super, like, memorable, like the hole-in-one and other ones, have been with people. Um, I definitely feel like there are shots that I hit that, you know, I'll take. When I'm playing by myself, most of the time I'm not really, like, necessarily trying for a certain thing, so I'm practicing a lot more. So I try, you know, crazy shots and sometimes pull them off, and I'm like, well, that was sweet. Try that again another time. But it doesn't always happen, but... I mean, I've definitely hit a couple in from the fairway or different things or just really good chips or I've hit one out of the bunker directly into the hole with no bounce at all. So, But, wow. but I don't remember if those were even with people or without. It was more just like, yeah. well, that was awesome. Yeah. And those are the ones that keep you coming I, back for more. Yes, they do. And uh, they, they really do. I, I play by myself most of the time. So I've, I've had some great shots that nobody saw. And I always think to myself, did they really happen? Because nobody nobody. Yeah. Saw them. You mentioned disc golf. This is one of the last questions I wanted to ask you. When I started playing golf, I was in college and I owned a motorcycle. So there's an impediment right there. You cannot get a golf bag on the back of a motorcycle, but you can bungee uh-huh. cord four clubs to the side of that motorcycle. And I got into playing par three golf courses, which we had a bunch of really nice ones down in San Antonio. And that continues to be the best part of my game. When I'm with inside of the green and I've got an eight or nine iron or a wedge in my hand, I feel really confident that I'm going to get it in the vicinity of the green. But I was going up to Austin last week and I called around to see if they had any par three golf courses. And I found out they had this place up there that is kind of designed for the next generation of golfers. Not every young person, you're much younger than I am, I'm talking about even younger, you know, maybe uh, just getting started, wants to give up four hours of their day to go play 18 holes. So they have kind of this hybrid nine-hole course that's almost a par three, not quite an eight. Anyway, I'm noticing a lot of that generational dynamic trying to make the sport more appealing to young people, but they also had this thing called foot golf where you tee off with a soccer yeah, ball I've seen that. and try to get a yeah. – yeah. And I was, really, I was really intrigued by that. What do you think of this, this need to sort of get uh, a next generation of golfers into the game with some of these different approaches, the nine-hole approach versus the par three approach? Just curious about that. I think at the end of the day, time is everyone's most valuable asset. And behind time, you have to also have money. And the problem with golf, and I think what, what will always – what will always hinder golf, I think, moving forward is simply the fact that it's just it's it's too long and it's expensive for the average everyday yeah. person. It's you know you mentioned four hours per round. That's if you actually are moving pretty well and you're not counting the time <laughs> you have to travel there, the time you warm up, the time you, that you get done. So golf is actually a six-hour at least event from top to bottom wow. when you include getting in your car and getting home, which is the biggest reason I 
rarely, you know, wish I could play more, but I just can't. It's just, it takes right. too long. And for me, I've never been a big fan of like a nine hole course, just cause I feel like unless I play 18, I really don't want to play. And then I've, I've never been a huge fan of like the driving range, except for recently, as I've been trying to practice and work harder on my game, but there's just, it's just really long and it's expensive, which is why there's such a resurgence and excitement now in disc golf and the, and the growing sport of disc golf, because it's a sport that I can play 18 holes in 45 minutes and it's free. Right. And so the, the beauty of that game to people is that it still has a lot of the fun competitive advantage that people love in any sport, but yet it's free. It's mixed as like basically a hike with throwing the disc. And yet it's such a uniquely challenging game as well. Once you get into it, that you realize how hard it actually is as well, but yet it's just so different than golf. So, but I do think that golf just will struggle with the fact that they've kind of, statistically been more of, you know, a, a wealthy person's game. Right. And the reason most people play more when they get older is because they have more time in their life. And I don't see a lot of kids these days that want to take that much time <laughs> for, yeah, for right. something like that because they just lose the attention span for it in general. So you kind of have the few people that are really into golf. But it will be interesting to see how it evolves and whether or not it continues to grow or continue to have issues like they, you know, have been with growing the sport because there's just a lot to it. It's hard. It's yeah, really expensive right. to get lessons. It's expensive to play, and it takes long. <laughs> so it's just it's true, not yeah. for everybody. It is absolutely not. Now, I know you have uh, young little tax deductions in your family. Your wife and Kelsey have two yeah. young kiddos. Are you planning on trying to introduce them to the sport, or are you just going to see if they, they take their own self-interest in it? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely – I'm, you know, a big fan of letting kids do kind of what they want to do and, you know, not forcing anything into it. Uh, my wife grew up kind of being forced to play golf, and now she doesn't really play because of that. She kind of never really liked it herself, so she kind of never really did it more. But I definitely, like, we, we've taken them mini-golfing a couple times. They had a lot of fun. We've, I've taken them to the driving range once or twice. Like, they had fun. But like anything, I'll kind of – I like letting them see a lot of different things. I mean, I would love to at least teach my kid – to play like or Gracie at least my girl to play golf because it would just be the easiest ride ever if she decided to go through college because <laughs> there's so few there's so few female golfers that if you get your if you get a young girl to be even semi decent it's the easiest so, yeah. ride in the college in the world <laughs> because yeah. no one. It's absolutely it. true. Yeah. It's so funny you say that. Last time I was out at the Bandit. The, the Canyon High School golf team was out there, and there was one young lady who you could just tell, you know, if you've played golf a long time, you can just see when somebody swings a golf club that they've just got the perfect mechanics. And that's what I told your mom. I said, you know, if this young lady keeps playing like that, you can just forget about writing tuition checks. You'll get a college scholarship anywhere. It's absolutely true. Final question I want to ask you. I'm in Texas you're in Pennsylvania, um, you know, you have a very different experience in the winter than we have down here south of the Mason-Dixon line. Does that present its own challenge, not being able to play for several months in a row when the golf courses are covered in snow and ice? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, there are obviously – I have a really nice practice um, putt thing in my house that I definitely will utilize because still at the end of the day, if you can putt, you still can score in golf. So, so that will help a little bit. There's obviously some, you know, indoor driving simulator things, which really aren't anything exciting, but they just put like one of those Top Golf um, 
indoor places by us because of the oh. winter. So it's actually it's called Top Golf Swing Suite. So it's actually just every aspect of Top Golf, but you're hitting into a screen rather than the big the big range. So that'll be interesting to see if they use that at all. And then luckily, I have some family in Arizona and California, so no question. At least once or twice throughout the winter, we usually go down there for a week or a week and a half and hang out with family, and I absolutely try to golf as much as possible when I'm there. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's always going to be hindered. That's why, you know, golfers that are taking this sport seriously tend to not live in the Northeast. They, they tend yeah. to live in Florida or Arizona Florida, or yeah. Southern California. But even if I had all the time, I still just don't play enough. But I'm trying to I'm trying to take it more seriously. I kind of started this uh, fun little journey on my YouTube channel called the the Road to the PGA Tour, where I just kind of I've always been convinced that if you take anything seriously enough and you actually actually work at it and then have patience to actually continue working at it, that you can make big things happen in life. And so it's always been kind of my goal to be able to do things that just seem so not expected. And I just think it would be hilarious if I somehow could just, in the midst of all this stuff going on, take golf seriously, like almost behind the scenes, and then out of nowhere qualify for some sort of tournament. And people would be like, wait, what? I just think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. I love that. I should start my own YouTube channel, On the Road to Breaking 80, on the front. That would be a big deal for me. That would just there be so go. great. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll have that we'll have that YouTube channel link embedded right there in the episode description, folks. You can just boop, touch it on your phone and you can go check out and see what Scott looks like and see him see him on the road to the PGA tour because like I said, this young guy, anything is possible. Scott, thank you so very kindly for joining us on the third episode of Be the Ball podcast and very, very best to you. Hit him for straight sure. and say hey to everybody up in Pennsylvania for us. Thank you very, very much. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, Have a great Scott one. Scott everybody. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us next time on Be The Ball Podcast. Take care, everybody.